With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Makes it a two-point game. Here's your mismatch right here. Now it's Luka. Deep three on the Hello, welcome to 77 Minutes in Heaven, a Dallas Mavericks podcast that's part of the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Tim Cato. I write about the Mavericks for the Athletic. We've got Dave Dufour. He talks about the Mavericks for the Athletic and some other teams, but you definitely talk about the Mavericks too. Well, it seems like I'm talking about the Mavericks a lot lately, uh, not just on mm. this show. Man, look, the Clippers are a good team, a really good team. I think they would have been in the conference finals last year had there not been a stoppage and a hiatus. And, you know, obviously they had some really awful injury luck during the first part of the season. And then leading up into the bubble, things were weird for them. Uh, To lose by 51 points, I'm going to say this is an aberration for the Clippers, but it, it probably means more about the Mavericks. Well, I just said you talk about the Mavericks, and it now sounds like you're talking about the Clippers. Well, so. I'm saying it means more for the Mavericks <laughs> than it does the Clippers, so I've been talking about them a lot lately. Um, I, I no, for sure, for sure. I thought they looked really sharp, and it was one of the you know one of the first times since preseason uh, that they've actually had like a really really sharp game, and pretty much universally, I thought everyone looked good, and that's so rare to say. I mean, everyone played, and I thought everyone looked good. It it was, you know, even going back to the bubble, I, I don't think they really felt always that sharp. Um, right, right. With the, I agree. With the one exception maybe being Milwaukee. Um, and then, of course, you know, they they won a couple playoff games. They were, you know, certainly good in the first win and, and you know, good enough in the in the Luka game winner down a player. So, yeah, this was this was one of their, you know, obviously one of their sharpest performances. It was helped by the team on the other side. It was not only because the Clippers didn't show up. You can look at the team and say the Clippers played poorly. The Mavericks played, you know, very exceedingly well. You look at the mentality on each side. You know, the Mavericks clearly had more to play for. The Clippers were not there. Paul George talked about, you know, the team celebrating Christmas the day before. You know, mentality, it matters. You know, maybe maybe sometimes it's too much or, or maybe we don't know how to quantify it always. But that does that does have an impact. It, it does matter. So all that is to say it's it's. In a very impressive win. And, you know, it doesn't mean like the, the 51 points doesn't matter. Just the, the way that they built the lead, I, I guess, is what right. I'm focusing exactly. on. Like the, exactly. The 51 points is is stats and historic, and it, it means all these different things, like from a records book standpoint. But what was most impressive was the first, I would say, 18 minutes of that game, the first mm-hmm. quarter and a half, when the, at that point the game was over and how they looked in that first quarter and a half was the sharpest I've seen the Dallas Mavericks in in 10 months, you know, maybe with one or two exceptions. Uh, and that's good. And that's that's yep. a really, really good sign. Um, Lucas specifically was was as sharp. You know, he was back at his bubble best, which sounds like it means something else. But uh, 
but yeah, he was he was a uh, you know as good as we saw him at, at the peak of his uh, Orlando bubble powers, and and you know if if uh, if you allow that expression, he's just good. He looks like he's starting to get his wind. Yeah. Right. And that was one of my concerns with the first couple of games is that it looked like he was still a little off. We've seen other guys even say like LeBron said, yeah, I'm starting to get my wind. Mm-hmm. Um, now they've now basically hit a, about a month since training camp started playing games, actually getting getting some some minutes under them in, in real NBA action. So, yeah, I thought Luca looked particularly good. Uh, are you worried about the shooting at all? I'm I'm not yet. Um, I mean, it's literally three games, um, but I would like to see him have a, a game where he hits a few shots from from deep. Right. Um, like twelve percent is not good. It's incredible right. what he's doing despite shooting twelve percent from three. But you know, he needs to start turning that around. Yeah, and I and I do wonder. You know, I, I think that a a consistent like 32% where he just hits, mm-hmm. you know, one of four or one of three or two of five every game. I feel like that would matter more, you know, that that would impact how defensive play him a bit more than just every third game he goes four or five or five of six. And that of late seems like every few games he's due for a good shooting game. And certainly in those games, it gives the Mavericks a, a massive boost um, because when Luca's hitting threes, there's even less you can do to stop him. But it, it does it does make you wonder or think a little bit, you know, just about when is this consistency going to come? He doesn't need to be a forty percent shooter. He's never going to be a forty percent shooter. Certainly oh, I don't not know. In the next, well, I not don't in know. the next like five years. I don't think that it's going it, to require him to to get more shots off the ball. That's the difference, right? Like a guy, it's it's like when you look at Harden and you look at his three point percentage, you have to take into account the fact that those guys shoot the most difficult threes. In basketball, but that's why Off I the say dribble, that. ba- that's why he's uh, yeah, never going to shoot forty yeah. percent. Well, but I mean, he could. I think he could. I think he could be a good enough shooter to shoot forty percent off the ball. Well, right now he isn't. Not I don't it. think. You know, I, I'm not saying. I, I think in time he still projects as a player who should hit off the ball, spot up, catch mm-hmm. and shoot looks a lot better than than he is right now. But I think right now he hasn't even proven he can hit those at anywhere higher than a 32 percent clip. So. I mean, it's, I don't know. It feels weird to dwell on the weakness. Obviously, like when a player is this good, you know, you, you can kind That's of. That's what you do. Yeah. We're, we're talking about a, a minor factor about a, you know, that fundamentally does not limit how effective he is. He is, you know, he could never shoot a three the rest of his career and he will still probably win an MVP or multiple MVPs. He is that good. Might at happen every, this year. <laughs> <laughs> it might. It might. I wrote a long piece yeah. about that. But, uh, but, but yeah. So yeah. Any, any other Luca thoughts? No, I mean, I, I think that Luca, like the the level of his game has been there, but now his body's starting to catch up. And um, if he's going to be at this level, this 30, 10 and 10 ish level, um, then yeah, he's the front runner for the MVP. And I think the Mavericks can wind up being better than I expected in spite of missing Porzingis. But sure. I think that, I think they need to see, um, a collective uptick in efficiency would be would be nice. You know, this one game aside, I think there are there are a lot of things on the margins that they could be doing to to make their lives easier. Sure, sure, that yeah. all, that all checks out. But this game in particular, I mean, you can't have a better half of basketball than they have. To seventy seven twenty seven at halftime is such that's a high school basketball score. Yeah, 
And you know the the Clippers yeah. are likely not going one for nineteen from three again. You know this that was an abhorrent shooting performance. Um, but the Mavs capitalized on that, and, and that's that's what good teams do. Yeah, and it's not like, like the Mavericks just had a eighty percent three point shooting night either. It was not a right. It was not a, a unrepeatable performance from them. Uh, in in the sense, you know, certainly they had a good shooting day, but it was not a absurdly good it was it was a good shooting day fueled by the good shots they created it was brought down a little bit by the fourth quarter and Boban and Willie Colley Stein and and uh that that crew shooting shooting some and and maybe without those like uh I think 0405 you know maybe it would look a little more out of the usual uh but no I I think I think the performance they had was a replicable performance to a degree you know uh, in circum you know not not that they're gonna you know, have a game that's over early in the second quarter again. But the level they played at, I think, can be repeated. And when they repeat how well they played, they will usually win games. I agree. So Porzingis uh, all signs point to him being back sooner than later, sometime, you know, hopefully mid-January, um, if, if they're exceedingly cautious, and they should be. You know, maybe, maybe it pushes into late January, uh, which is the the time frame that I've been saying uh this whole time. Uh in in the in the meantime, they've of course been starting Dwight Powell. This is something that, from what I've seen, <laughs> the fan base is very upset about. Uh, you know, varying degrees of of upsetness. And um, you know, I think I think there are I think they're they're right in the sense that Powell clearly looks worse as a as a player. He is not the player he was before the Achilles. Nobody mm-hmm. would have expected him to be. Do you think that it's a scenario where, you know, they need to do something? No. Just where do you, where do you, yeah, where do you, where do you stand on this? We're three games in. That's, that's where I'm at on it. It, it look, it's three games. Um, if you're making snap judgments based off three games, you're just not, you know, doing good practice. I, I think you have to wait, get a larger sample size. They're already playing around with, with rotations and, and, Lineup combinations. I mean, that's what this part of the season's for. You're trying to figure out who works, what works, who's playing well, who plays well together. And then you're also guessing what it's going to look like when Porzingis comes back. And that's right. what a lot of this is, I think. I mean, when you look at the 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 lineup that they've started, if you drop Powell from the lineup and you plug in Porzingis, isn't that an easier transition than if you take Powell and put him on the bench and move one of your bench contributors – into the starting lineup. This is this is why you often see, you know, if a guard goes down, you'll see them slide a third guard instead of the backup guard into that right. spot because you those ripple effects throughout the rotation just throw everything off. And I'm not even saying that that's a concern three games in because it's not because you have no idea who your players are yet. You don't know what your rotations are going to look like come March. And so, you know, all of these decisions right now, playing Powell early, by the way, great move for a guy coming off of an injury. He's nice and loose, nice and warm. The training staff knows that he's ready to play, and then they can monitor him after each you know, little segment of minutes. I mean, he's only playing 20 minutes a game. I mean, there's a reason for that. He, he's working his way back into NBA game shape. So, you know, I, I just think patience is important, but in particular, this early in the season. I mean, we're a weekend. Let's relax. Yeah, I think I think what the what the uh opponents of of Pal as a starter would say is that, you know, it's a, it's a small sample size the season just started. 
Um, but but there is a long history of understanding that players with Achilles come back in a in a limited fashion. Absolutely. And thus far, we've seen that. That said, I'm with you. It's it's look. If it was 2K, you would you would plug Kali Stein in there uh, in all likelihood. You know. Yeah, that, but it's that, not a video would, game. But it's not. And so the, the understanding that Pal is a team leader, that Pal has tenure uh, on this team. That I I don't know. Like I, I'm not. Listen, I'm not a Powell yeah. theoretically is a better player than Willie Cauley Stein, and the best route for the Mavs is for Powell to be able to become closer to what he was. That's right. that's the best route to success. You know what Willie Cauley Stein is. You don't know what you have with Dwight Powell yet, and unless you give him an opportunity to get, you know, to wherever his ceiling is going to be, I, I just. I just don't see how you're doing your team justice when this is a team that probably thinks it has a shot at at least a conference finals. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if I agree with that, but the the best route there is for Dwight Powell to get minutes and be good. And he can't get those minutes if he's sitting on the bench because you're playing Willie Cauley-Stein. Like, you know who Willie Cauley-Stein is. You know what he does. Right. Now you got to learn about this new version of Dwight Powell. I would, I would say moving forwards, I would advocate – for some flexibility um, in in the starting five, I, I don't think it has to be Pal every time. I am fine with him as the de facto starter when there is a particularly bad matchup for him. When there's a DeAndre Ayton, we saw in the first game how DeAndre, right. you know, that's that's probably the game Pal looked worst. You know, he wasn't great against the Lakers either. Mm-hmm. Uh, when there's a particularly bad matchup, I I would say, you know, I would hesitate against playing him. Uh, now, now that now that we've seen it, and now that we've you know, right, we've seen you know actual evidence. Hey, you can't handle this. You're you're not going to be able to 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 do this. So, you know, I think I think that's I reasonable. Still think, I, I think I still think ahead. though that you have to you have to consider the restraints, like the constraints of the season. Fewer practices. I mean, they had just this short training camp. A lot of games. I, look, I don't think Dwight Powell is going to play. In every game. I think he's going to be sitting a lot. You're going to get Kali Stein. You're going to get Maxi starting. Um, I think that when you have Powell available, though, starting him, it seems just physically that's the right way to go. You're getting this guy coming off an injury, warmed up, ready to go. And I'm with you, though. There are going to be matchups where you know he's not ready for him. And maybe those are the games you just need to say, hey, look, you know what? We're going to get you some work in where we can. But it's not going to be 20 minutes because we know this matchup. You're just not ready for it physically. And maybe right. you do that. I don't know. But I, I think the, they should be cycling through probably all of their bigs right now at this point, even Boban, uh, because they should be looking for, you know, what what is uh, what is going to be our option when Porzingis isn't available? Because Porzingis is likely not going to play back-to-backs, I'm assuming. They're going to for sure, treating with kids' gloves, probably plenty of rest. So you're going to need a guy to fill in. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate if they said, "Okay, look, this is a bad matchup against DeAndre Ayton. Powell, you're going to sit this game. We're going to work in the other guys, and maybe you start Boban and and see what you got there." I, I just think that when Powell is available, starting him is probably the safest way to go. Right. Yeah, and just just to uh, this is essentially what we've been saying the entire. But just to kind of phrase it in in one one final way, I, I think that if if you look at the big man rotation, like clearly Powell is someone who will get minutes, who is deserving. You know, you need to get him twenty minutes somewhere, and 
I understand that the starting lineup is absolutely important. And, and there's, you know, you have to put a little more care into making sure you start the game off the right way. But I still think that functionally you can get pals 20 minutes and maybe the best place to get that is in the starting five. Um, I, I think there is a, there is a sound argument for that. Um, I, I think that, you know, if, if consistently you are starting games poorly, it, you know, if this stretches out three more games and, and, you know, two of the three, once again, you're, you're starting behind kind of like Phoenix and, and against the Lakers. Sure. You know, maybe, maybe that is something that, that you've got to adjust then. But, you know, as long as this team is playing up to the level that, that you want them to play and, and you're, you have established that Pal needs to, you know, get minutes somewhere. Uh, I, I do think he makes sense in the starting lineup. He makes sense against, you know, we saw what he, you know, he looked fine against the Clippers. I, I just, I, I don't, I think that's a fine place for him for now. And lastly, it's temporary. Like this will right. change when exactly. is back. And, and by the uh, way, as, they're, as you keep they, saying, so they're they're closing games with Maxi. I, I think uh, until Porzingis comes back, his shooting is too valuable. Um, I believe, yeah, they have, yeah, they definitely have. They definitely did against the Lakers, and they did against um, Phoenix, or, or, which is yeah, the only Phoenix, game, that, like, yeah, only game that was really close. Yeah, the Lakers game kind of. They they got within ten, but but yeah, yeah. against Phoenix they close with Maxi, and yeah. that's gonna be what's ha- what happens. I I just don't see a scenario where, you know, if, if you look at the minutes, the minute distribution for for Maxi for Pal, I think even for Kali Stein who's working his way into more minutes, uh, we've seen it's gonna look right at the end of the game, most games, mm-hmm. no matter who starts. So, so that's more important to me than necessarily, you know, unless we see the consistent trend of the starting lineup not working well together. I will absolutely revisit it. But yeah, that's that's what I want to see before I'm, you know, really become strongly, staunchly anti-Pal as a starter. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think we're on the same page. And and again, I think that the, the best guy that they have right now available is Maxi. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's denying that. No question. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody nobody is saying otherwise. Yeah. I, and yeah. I think Kali Stein has been better than Pal. So yeah. I think that even the people that are saying that, you're right. I get it. But I think that there is, you know. There's a method here that they're they're attempting to uh, to use. I would I would agree with all of that, and and I think that you know it's just it's a nuanced situation, and it's it's not you know the starting lineup is not necessarily your best five players. It never has been. Um, I think especially this year it isn't uh, for a lot of factors that I think that we we covered in uh, in in plenty of uh, detail there. Briefly, you wanna you wanna touch on Richardson. Um, offensively, he looks great. You know, I still mm-hmm. think there's there's a lot more to unlock. I, th- I believe he's averaging 12 shots, which I think that he will be averaging closer to 16, 17, 18 um, by March. I think there's a good yeah. chance of that. It feels like he's he's trying to feel his way out on this team. Um, and, and, you know, I get it. Uh, I would like to see him being more aggressive, searching for his own shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I think he's fitting in perfectly, kind of the way we expected um, and then defensively, they they're going to be a completely team, uh, different team defensively once they get Porzingis. So I think it's I, I'm going to reserve judgment on on a lot of what's happening defensively just because they don't have Porzingis and what he brings to the table. Yeah, I I think the taking the first ten games that Porzingis plays and taking a hard look at the defense once once we hit ten games, being like, all right, what is this team actually working with now? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's that's going to be a very important moment in the season. It would just be interesting. I'm just I'm just very curious, and I think that's that's going to be way more telling about what this defense can be before anything they're they're necessarily doing it at this you know doing right now. 
Um, and you know, they're great against the Clippers. It wasn't just them, but they were, they were good. They were good against the Clippers. They forced a bunch of steals. It wasn't, it wasn't a game where the Clippers were just, you know, making mistakes and throwing the ball over. You know, there weren't a lot of unforced turnovers. There were forced turnovers, turnovers that directly got credited as steals, you know, for the most part, you know, they, they limited it, limited the good shots they got. Uh, Richardson's absolutely a, a big part of that. So mm-hmm. it's been good. I, I, I love the fit. I love the fit. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it was, um, of course, they were going to miss what, what Seth Curry brought, but what Richardson is able to do just fits so perfectly into what this team already is. So I, I think that it's only going to get better. The Porzingis edition is just going to, it's going to really shift who this team is. It'll take them from this, you know, scrappy kind of team that if they don't have Porzingis is likely in that six to eight range. And I think probably elevates them into that, you know, two to five range pretty easily where, where you could see them going on a run and winding up with the home court advantage in the playoffs. They're pretty good. Yeah. I think, I think we can, we can wrap it here, but, but with the, with the idea that we were, you know, we were resoundingly positive about this, this, this team's one and two and, there's no worries on either side from, you know, from either of us that this team is not, you know, kind of who we've talked about before the season, who we predicted they would be. And then just like a very positive overview and, and summation of, of what has happened in the first three games. Sure. You know, there was, there's concerning stats, you know, concerning things that happened in, in both of the first two games. But I, I just, I don't expect them to be long lasting trends that are going to, you know, really dog them the entire season. I, I just, I don't view it that way. And, and until proven otherwise, you know, I, I am, I'm definitely have an optimistic view and just overall, you know, outlook on, on what this team has done so far uh, with while missing, you know, their, their second best player. Yeah. Let's sum it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty much, pretty much perfect. Cool. Well, I will talk to you next year. Um, <laughs> was that, even, I wasn't even trying to do the joke thing where it's, Oh my God. I, I know. But it is it, it is yeah. uh it's been a, it's been a long year. The, the, Can't believe we've know. done this show for a year now. Yeah, just about coming yeah. up on it within yeah. within a month or so. So yeah, we'll have to have a big party, a huge party on Zoom or something. Yes, we love parties. We love yeah. Zoom parties. Definitely yeah. not something that the entire world is tired of and and lost its charm oh, no. after three weeks. Oh, no. for sure. No, definitely no way. That us? No. I just leave right. Zoom on all day long. It's it's actually pretty great. You become one of those like live streamers who just records their entire day. Yeah, it's Man, Dave that TV. To, that was that was a that was a briefly a thing in like 2012 where there was just like every second of their day except no, I man, I'd have to look this up. Weird weird internet phenomenon. A lot of weird internet things in the uh in the mid 2000s. <laughs> Yeah, the the internet, uh, I think it peaked in like 2010. It's been all downhill since. Yeah, yeah, 2011, 2012, some, somewhere early, early 2010s. I would, I would definitely say that's, that's right. So, well, this podcast peaked um, three minutes ago um, or maybe, maybe longer. So we're going to get out of here. Thanks for listening. And uh, we will talk to you next week at, at some point. See y'all then.